Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. We're going to be reading from Exodus 20, 12 this morning. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is given you. Now's the time. Okay. I've looked at him like four times, like, come on, man. What are we doing? Let's do it. Um, I'll now invite our lead pastor, Billy Glosson, up, and we'll pray for us this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day. I thank you for this place for us to gather as a church and a community and group of people. Dear Lord, I, I pray that you calm our minds and you open our hearts to receive the word that Billy has to give for us this morning. I pray that you be with him and you deliver to us all the things that we need to hear this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, amen. You can be seated. Thanks for the uh, tight 10-minute set there. Sorry. No, it was good. It was good. That's right. I love it. I didn't know that about Easter. Look, we're all learning together, guys. So... A feature that I really enjoy on my, uh, on my Apple devices, on my iPhone, on my iPad, is that uh, it will give you kind of like these preset slideshows that will tell you memories. And so it's really, really sweet to go back through memories and see my son, you know, because he just turned two recently. And so to go back and just see how he's grown, it's been really, really sweet. And I remember just getting overwhelmed because we recently celebrated his second birthday. And I'm sitting there looking at these pictures of him. It's just this, this little baby, just a little squish, right? He was so tiny. And before I could get too wrapped up in that memory, I look up to see my toddler screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, and I was like, okay, well, we're not going to do that. So let's cut that out. So I remember I go and I try to get down to his level, you know, try to get his attention. Let's redirect this kind of intense energy. And I'm like, hey, buddy, we're not going to do that. And as he's screaming, I get walloped in the face with a truck. Uh, it was a toy truck. But the point is, it's at this moment... That I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, all right, Sam, it's time that you learn the value of the fifth commandment. You need to honor your father. All right, buddy. This command was written by the finger of God. Now, before you guys go and run and get your kids out of Corndale Kids and tell them to listen up, here's a tough pill to swallow. This is a commandment given to adults. To catch us up, we're going to uh, walk through this this morning, but before we do that, just so you know where we're at, we've been going through the Ten Commandments. These commandments occur three times in the Old Testament and literally mean ten words. Ten words given by God to his people on how to live in the world. And today, we come to the fifth word, honor your father and mother. As we walk through these commandments again, here's what I want you to understand, that the ten words are not legislation from a cosmic bureaucrat who's trying to ruin your fun. But rather, this is wise instruction from a loving father who knows what his kids need to thrive. And now, we're here at the halfway mark, and there's a shift in the commandments. The first four commandments dealt with a kind of a vertical issue. They deal explicitly with how do we relate to God. Now we get to the fifth commandment, and this command and the following are horizontal, which is how do we relate to each other? So how do we relate to God, and how do we relate to each other? And the idea is this, that how we relate with God affects how we relate with other people. When Jesus himself summarized the law, what does he say? Well, 
Let's see, Mark 12, verse 30, Jesus says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love God, love others. That's what the heart of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, are all about. The first human relationship mentioned here is parents. Now again, before you go get your kids, again, this is written to adult children. And as we wade into this, I want to say that I understand very clearly that this particular text, this particular commandment may be very difficult for some of you. But friends, there is gold in hard things. There is. When you think about the command to honor your father, to honor your mother, what comes to mind? Maybe this is, again, loaded for you. Maybe you had an extremely difficult childhood. Maybe there is a lot of pain when you think of this. But friends, I just want to say this. God's sovereign, right? He knew that you would be here this morning. He knew the heat was going to go out and that you'd be extra uncomfortable, right? God knew that you would come here today with mixed emotions. And here's what I want to say. He wants to meet you in this. If we believe that the gospel is transformative, if we teach Coram Deo, right, that we live before the face of God, then that means that God absolutely can and wants to redeem our families. It's not just something outside of us where we think about, well, culture needs to be changed. Culture starts at the home level. He wants to meet us here. Here's the big idea. God is honored in our families. God is honored in our families. And we're going to break down this command the same way that we've been breaking down the others. We're going to ask four questions. What does this command reveal about God? What does this command reveal about us? How does it point us to Jesus? And how does it show us the path of life? So let's start first with what does this command reveal about God? What does this command reveal about God? What does it say about God that he would command his people to honor their parents? It says that he cares deeply about the relationship between parent and children. I mean, really, this is the base level of society. Uh, From the air view, it shows us that society rises and falls at the familial level. These 10 words, they don't ever speak to the nations or to government because there's this intrinsic connection between how we relate in our homes and how we relate with the rest of the world. When there's honor for your parents, all kinds of other relationships start to fall into place. God himself reveals himself as a father. And parents are commissioned to be representatives of God to their children. They're called to take responsibility for and model gracious and loving authority to kids. And the reason that you can say whether a parent is a bad parent or not is because it's wired in you as to what a parent is supposed to be like. This is the first time that we see this word honor in the Ten Commandments. But really, honor's been there all along. The concept of honor has been with us since the very first word and it endures through the last. The Ten Commandments, they're dealing with matters of heavenly submission, earthly submission, mutual submission. Now, connect this idea with what Jesus said that we just read a little bit earlier, the great commandment, which sums up the law. So if we put this up on the screen, you're going to see this, a blank there, you shall love, right? That's what we typically say. Now, replace that in your mind with you shall honor the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. 
you shall love? What if it says you shall honor your neighbor as yourself? Did the meaning change? I would say it only expanded. Honor, friends, is an expression of rightly ordered love. When we love as we should, we honor the object of our love as we should. It's possible to show honor whether we love an individual or not, at least outwardly, right? We may speak of God, we may speak of others honorably while lacking love for them. We may act sacrificially towards God or others, but we may lack love for them. Honor, rendered without love, it's definitely still better for the common good than dishonor, but it's an empty obedience. Motive matters, friends. Honor fueled by love lies at the heart of the fifth word. What does it mean then to honor someone? It means literally to respect, to esteem, to regard highly. The Hebrew word here is the same for glory, weight, significance. God himself is glorious and worthy of honor, and he commands us to show honor to parents, that we take our parents seriously, that we don't treat them flippantly or insignificantly. Now, I know as I say this, there are some of you that just have this well of emotions because of the pain that you experience at the hand of your parents. But the command, friends, is not to trust or even to always obey our parents, it's that we honor them. And this makes sense because of two reasons. First, the dynamic between a child and a parent changes over time, right? As it should. If your parent is still helping you go to the bathroom and you're in your 40s, we should, you know, I mean, unless you have some physical issues, that's kind of weird, right? You grow up as you grow, the relational dynamic changes. Your parents are no longer waking you up at 6 a.m. to go to school or to get to work because you grow up and you become your own person. And the second, friends, is this. We live in a broken world with broken parents who are not always honorable people. And this command is a call to honor our parents as a reflection of the honor that we show God himself. So with this in mind, let's turn to how do we handle this command, right? So let's see second, what does this command reveal about us? What does this command reveal about us? Well, what kind of people need to be commanded to honor our parents? People who are prone to dishonor their parents. There are so many who have tremendous resentment towards their parents. Maybe your parents acted dishonorably. Maybe they were extremely abusive. Maybe they, they didn't even begin to bear the name of what it means to be a mother or a father. Maybe they were abusive, controlling. Maybe they were narcissistic. Maybe they were just absent. They didn't prepare you for life. They weren't trustworthy when you needed them the most. And I want to say this, I do not want to minimize that pain. By no stretch do I want to say, well, big whoop. No, it's a huge deal. What happened to you breaks the heart of God who bears the name Father. What happened to many of you is inexcusable. But the Bible has no exception clause for dishonorable parents. What they did to you or failed to do for you is not okay. It is not. But you're still commanded to honor. How? How? Here's a really simple one. Forgive them. And you may in your gut say, no way. (laughs) 
Billy, you don't know. Like maybe you've heard bits and stories of my, uh, of, of my kind of life and my struggle, but, but, but you don't know what I've been through. But friends, I'm telling you this, the command to forgive is for you. It's for your good. I have to ask, are you, in regards to your parents, holding on to bitterness? And do you see how withholding forgiveness is actually harming you? Their failures are still controlling you. The only way not to be controlled by them is to forgive them. Here's forgiveness. It's saying what you did was wrong, but I leave it to Jesus so that I can move forward with my life. Imagine it this way. You're holding a burning coal in your hand. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's causing you a lot of pain, a lot of distress, and you want to let go of the coal, but you're afraid that if you do, the person who put it in your hand is going to get away with hurting you. This burning coal, it represents the pain and the hurt that was caused to you by someone else. And when you hold on to that pain, it's like holding on to a burning coal. It hurts you and it continues to cause you distress and pain. However, just like that coal that's burning in your hand, holding onto a grudge and refusing to forgive can also be dangerous. The longer you hold onto the coal, the more damage it does to your hand. And the longer you hold onto a grudge, the more damage it does to your heart. Just as letting go of that coal brings relief to your hand, friends, forgiveness brings relief to our hearts. It allows us to release that pain and that hurt by someone else's actions and free ourselves from the burden of carrying that anger, that resentment. By choosing to forgive, you're not excusing the other person's behavior, but rather you're choosing to let go of the pain and to move forward with your life. And this is a decision, friends, to prioritize honoring the Lord, honoring your own well-being over holding on to the hurt caused by someone else. We have to remember that holding on to a grudge doesn't punish the other person. It only harms you. Forgiveness, on the other hand, brings healing, brings restoration. It brings freedom to your hearts, to your souls. For some of us, that's what we need to hear today. That we keep the heart of this command when we show forgiveness and we live honorably. When we consider this command to honor our parents, there are a couple ways that we break this. Primarily, I see two that are a big struggle. They're kind of polar opposites. The first is this, we resist authority. Right? Maybe you've had great parents that were called to be representative of God's gracious authority in your life, and there's a freedom in coming under that authority, right? For example, my son lately, and this has been the hardest part, I'm like, okay, discipline, like, Lord, you do it perfectly, and I know I don't, but what do I do with this child that drives me crazy, right? So he loves to just, like, run into our living room, look me in the eyes, and just unplug the lamp, and just stares at me, like, what are you, what's gonna, are you gonna do something here? It's frustrating, right? There's discipline that's involved there, because I don't want my child to harm himself. There's freedom that comes in that, and when we get this, right, even when we watch a game, like, there was a controversial call in the Super Bowl, everybody was all up in arms about it, but would you rather watch that game with no referees? You may say yes, but can you imagine that plays would be at all fair? No, absolutely not. The point is this, we can offer respect to a person in authority even if they're not doing the best job, right? Because it's much worse if nobody is doing it. Did your parents give you bad advice? Probably. Did they tell you things that are wrong? Most likely. And at least honor them for the fact that they took up the office of parent, 
We live in what one commentator calls an age of intentional orphanage. We want to be our own authority. We believe that we should never have to sacrifice for anybody and that we always want to put ourselves first. There was a little boy who was refusing to sit at dinner. He was just so frustrated, wanted to stand up in his chair and his parents discipline him. They go back and forth and finally he gives in after resisting his parents' command to do so. And he looks up indignantly as he starts to eat and says, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's silly, right? But that's what we do. Or does, does anyone remember a few years ago, Michael Rotundo? Maybe you don't. He was a 30-year-old who got uh, kicked out of his parents' house. Um, he went off for a couple years, moved back in, you know, at 21, and decided, I live here now. I will never pay rent. I will never work. This is my dwelling place. Um, he took advantage of his parents over and over again. And finally, his mom said, you know, we gave you $1,200 once to go out and find your own place and start a first month's rent. You're good to go. And he just took it and blew it on video games. So they had enough and they kicked him out of the house and he sued them and took them to court. And he lost miserably, right? And we look at this and we laugh, but that's the heart that many of us have. It's a heart of rebellion, for those with strained relationships with parents, this is probably a part of why that is. Because we resist authority. We don't want to hear what we need to do. We want to lead ourselves. Now, maybe that wasn't an issue for you. Maybe you had wonderful parents. You love submitting to your parents. Well, here's the second way that I think we often break this command that you may not expect, and it's this. We've made them idols. We've made our parents idols. What does that mean? Well, an idol is anything that you look to for identity, meaning, and value more than God. Anything that you look to for identity, meaning, value, worth more than God. Again, parents are naturally representatives of God to their children. And as kids, they give us meaning, right? Great job, buddy. You did it, right? When my son goes up the stairs, that's perfectly appropriate. But if I'm calling my parents, you know, like after I get done with the sermon, like, hey, can you just like tell me I did a good job? Like, it's weird, right? We have to get to a point where we grow beyond the need for that affirmation and we receive that affirmation from the Lord. When we make people idols, what we do is we put a weight on them that they are not meant to bear. They were never meant to bear it. And idols always demand more than we can give. And they never quite deliver on their promises. Some of us, have never left our parents. Maybe we've moved out and we've moved on with our life, but we've actually never left craving their approval, depending on their opinions and their perspectives. Others still have very little relationship, right? You may have no relationship with your parent at all, but you still have this longing of approval and you're trying to prove yourself. I'll show them. Friends, either way, it's idolatry. Where are we at with this command? We have to consider, am I a person who lives indignantly, you know, against resisting authority? I want nothing to do. I've got my own thing. Or I'm a person that is like craving and yearning for approval. And we have to ask, third, how does this command point us to Jesus, right? So far, it's like, okay, it's getting real quiet in here. You know, I don't know if that's because you're cold or you're just uncomfortable or both. But how do we look to Jesus for hope in this? I mean, some of us, we really feel the weight of this command and it seems impossible. And I would just say you're in good company. Right? The, the, 
there were many rabbis who believed that the fifth word was the hardest one to keep. That's crazy to me. It's harder to honor your parents than not murder someone, apparently, right? Jesus taught that it was one of the weightier commands. And the reason is because there's brokenness in us. There's brokenness in our relationships, and it points us, friends, to a need for a greater love. It points us to the need for a greater family. The only way that we can rightly honor parents is if we rightly see our place in the family of God. I'll give you an example. If you remember, probably the most famous parable that Jesus has given is the story of the prodigal son. There's a son who comes to his dad and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. He doesn't quite say that, but he basically does. Give me my inheritance. I don't want to, you know, you're, you're, you're still alive and it's bumming me out. I want my money. Takes his money, goes and squanders it on sin. And then finds himself broken and destitute. We pick up with the story. Look at verse 17 of Luke chapter 15. It says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. This is beautiful, right? We read this and like something like wells up in us. My, my, uh, <laughs> my wife has been reading a little uh, kid's storybook version of this to our son and I've come home and they play it out. Um, He'll walk to the end of the walkway and then he'll turn around and throw his arms up and she's like, my son has come home and he runs and like the first time I saw that, I just like bawling because it's beautiful, right? Because what do we see here? We see restoration. We see full acceptance. We see unconditional love. This, friends, is the kind of love, the kind of acceptance that we need but it's only available to us through Jesus. See, friends, Jesus is our perfect example. Jesus always honored his heavenly father, yes, and his imperfect parents. Jesus was our perfect substitute. Jesus, again, lived a life that we couldn't. And then he took our sin of dishonor, our guilt, our shame on himself at the cross of Calvary. At the cross, Jesus was treated as an enemy so that you and I could be welcomed as children. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Because of Jesus, friends, we are adopted into the family of God. We have a father who knows us at our lowest, at our worst, when we're desiring to eat from the pig pods of filth and sin, and he loves us still. J.I. Packer says it beautifully. He says this. He says, There is tremendous relief in knowing that God, God's love to me is utterly realistic. 
based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me, so that no discovery now can disillusion him about me in the way that I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. Coram Deo, we are now the people of God. We are his family. Is your family broken? Look to Jesus. Do your parents' words hold so much weight in your heart and in your life? Look to Jesus. Hear what he says. Matthew 12, verse 49. And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. See, this isn't just some pie in the sky someday kind of thing. This isn't just, well, God's my Father and I just have to keep my chin up. No, 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 friends. The church is the family that your family of origin could not be. Because of their controversial faith in the first century, believers couldn't rely on natural family. You see, when you decided to follow Jesus then, it meant that you got a funeral along with it. You were dead to your family. You were dead to that life. You were now on your own. Many indeed quite literally had to leave father, mother, and brothers to follow Jesus. The church then became their spiritual family, the network of love, honor, and accountability that they desperately needed for spiritual, emotional, and even, yes, physical support. So who are we to honor in the fifth commandment? Well, the Westminster Larger Catechism written in 1647, some time ago, says this. It says, By father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as, by God's ordinance, are over us in place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. You didn't know we were going to say commonwealth this morning. That's a bonus word. Put another way, respect your elders in the broadest sense. What does all this mean, right? Bill, you're you're throwing a lot at us. You're talking about the acceptance we have in Jesus. Now you're saying we're brought into the church and now you're telling us to respect our elders. What does it mean? What brings us to the last idea, which fourth is this. What does this command reveal about the path of life? What are we supposed to do with this? I'll just say this. When you're confident of the unconditional love of God for you, friend, you are free. You are free. When you're in the family of God, you are cared for in ways that you didn't expect. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it means that you are free. Free to what? Well, free to honor even dishonorable parents. Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's right. This is the way that God intended it. And so what that means is, you are free to forgive. Don't honor them because they deserve it. Honor them because of the grace given to you in Jesus. Extend grace. What does that look like practically? We'll speak well to and about them. Friends, I know that that is hard to do. And yes, this does include in-laws, by the way. Speak well to and about them. Maybe your mother didn't do everything right. If you're a parent yourself, you've probably learned already that she probably did the best she could. If she's living, then show honor by telling her a favorite memory of her from your childhood. If you have children of your own, repeat the story to them as well and think hard about which other stories they need to hear. Giving your kids the gift of relationship with a grandparent unweighted by the baggage of your own childhood can be a beautiful way to show honor to them. 
Sometimes we honor our parents by demonstrating forgiveness and what we leave unsaid. That's heavy. Maybe the father who raised you was a father in name only. Maybe he caused or allowed harm to you that's unspeakable. So here's what I would say. Look to show honor where you can by forgiveness, by living honorably, And then ask the question, who acted as a father towards you? Maybe it was a teacher or a coach, a grandfather, a pastor, a stepfather. Express your gratitude to the person or people in your life who demonstrated fatherly love to you in tangible ways. Well, what else are we free to? Well, we're free to accept authority, right? This means that we can kind of salute the uniform, as it were. We can honor fatherhood. We can honor motherhood. We can give thanks. If there's anything at all that you can think about from your childhood, you can give thanks to God for that. If you grew up with godly parents who loved you and cared for you, pick up the phone, call them, and thank them. Thank God for them. There are many who I could tell you are in this room with deep wounds. The, the joy that you had in having godly parents who loved and cared for you and did their best, friends, is rare and beautiful. Thank God for that. This is a clear way that we can live honorably among unbelievers. We live in a culture that's obsessed with worshiping youth. The fifth command offers Christians a simple, easy means to be light in the darkness. Rather than adopt the common mantra that the elder are adorable, irrelevant, burdensome, or expendable, we instead show them honor as full image bearers filled with a kind of wisdom that only the passage of time can give. By seeking out and valuing this wisdom, we honor the giver and we gain from the gift. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, so teach us to number our days that way we may get a heart of wisdom. How very likely it is that God answers this prayer through the wisdom of a saint who has numbered more days than you. Finally, we're free to rest in God's approval and acceptance. God loves you perfectly in Christ, friend. You're not strong-arming him into liking you. He delights in you. He gave his son for you. We don't have to strive for this approval, this acceptance. We don't have to look for our mother or father's approval because we have ultimate approval in the God who spoke the cosmos into existence. He delights in you, friend. You are enough, not because you work your weary fingers to the bones, but because Christ died in your place. And as we said last week, cried out with his voice, it is finished. The work is done. Rest in that approval, that acceptance. I love reading the stories of past saints because it just sets perspective that we're not the first people to go through this, right? One man that I love and love to read about because his life is so wild and fascinating is George Mueller. He went from a kid that rebelled against his dad. He took his dad's money and instead of going to college, wasted it living a life of sin, quite literally a very prodigal son. And God so radically changed his life that he served as a minister and ended up leading an orphanage and served over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. And he was once asked, what's the secret of your service? And this is what George Mueller said. He said, there was a day when I died, utterly died. And as he spoke, he bent lower and lower and lower until he almost touched the floor. Died to George Mueller, his opinions, preferences, tastes, and will. Died to the world, 
its approval or censure, died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied only to show myself approved unto God. What does this mean? Friends, it means that you are free to be an honorable person. You can treat others with dignity, with respect, and with honor. That you can follow Jesus closely, that you repent quickly, that you now set the tone in your life and in your family. Honoring our parents is not just a matter of obedience to God's law. It's also a way of living out the gospel in our daily lives. I mean, Jesus himself honored his mother even in his dying moments on the cross. When we follow his example, we show the world the kind of love and compassion that God calls us to. So Corindale, let's commit ourselves to honoring our parents, not just today, but every day. And let's thank God for the gift of our families and let's seek to build them up in love and grace. Four questions to consider. Four questions to help us apply this. First one, where does the command to honor father and mother seem most difficult to me? Where does the command to honor father and mother seem most difficult to me? Second, what does my resistance, we'll put these online too if you're worried. (laughs) What does my resistance to honoring parents say about my honor to God? What does my resistance to honoring parents say about my honor for God? Third, how can trusting in Jesus free me to receive God's love and acceptance and honor my parents? How can trusting in Jesus free me to receive God's love and acceptance and honor my parents? And finally, fourth, this is a a big one. Would my parents say they feel honored by me? Would my children say that I am living honorably? And what can I do to become more honoring or honorable? Would my parents say that they feel honored by me? Would my children say that I'm living honorably? And what can I do to become more honoring or honorable? Cormdale, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to your word and we feel the weight. The commands, Lord, they show us our need for a savior. Were we able to keep them perfectly, we wouldn't have your servant, Jesus. And how we need Jesus, Lord. Help us to be an honorable people. A people who show honor to those who have lived dishonorably. Help us to be a thankful people, Lord, showing gratitude to parents who loved us well. Lord, help us to live free, free from the burden of approval. Help us to see, Lord, that we have perfect acceptance, perfect approval, perfect delight. Jesus, help us to live lives that honor you. Thank you for the hope of the gospel, that we have been shown grace upon grace. Lead us to life everlasting, we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. 
grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.